Why don't you find someone that you haven't said hi to this morning and say hello? Well, good morning. Can't give you too much time. You guys talk all day. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see everyone. Um, glad to be back. Must not have been terrible last time. They asked me to come back and preach again. So glad to be here, excited. And uh, we've got a super fun story to, uh, to look at today from God's Word. And uh, it'll be familiar to a lot of you, maybe some of you uh, that are newer to the Bible. Maybe you're not familiar with it. But either way, it's an incredible story, and there's tons packed into it. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 14 today. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Matthew 14. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33. And uh, so dive in there with that. But two weeks ago, uh, Mark kind of started us on this journey of looking at what it's like to live fearless. Or, or what the Bible can teach us about fear and how we can live fearless. Uh, because in our culture, fear is everywhere, isn't it? From our finances, from relationships, from COVID, to our future, to maybe salvation, like am I going to heaven or not? You know, we've got all these fears that we deal with in our culture. And, you know, it's interesting that the Bible says something to help us out. Jesus tells us and. Uh, through, through Timothy here, or through Paul in 2 Timothy 1.7, that for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And that's what we looked at two weeks ago as we started down this journey. And I want to tell you a story about, uh, do any of you know K.P. Yohanan? Heard of that name before? Some of you have maybe. Uh, he's, he started Gospel for Asia. He's an Indian believer that uh, just God has used in some great ways. And I read a book of his a while back called Revolution in World Missions. Great book to read. But I actually got to go to a place where he was speaking, and they had a Q&A afterwards. And in his book, he talks about how uh, these people came to his village, and, and persecution was coming because of the Christians in that village. And so after I read that, you know, I just had this burning question in me like, what did you do when persecution came? What did you do? So, so I got a chance to go to this Q&A and ask him. It's like I read in your book that the persecution came in your village. Were you scared? What did you do? He's like, of course I was scared. And I ran faster than I've ever run in my life. 
He was, said, fear came over me, and I just ran, ran, and ran. So sometimes fear kicks us into a, a wise thing to do. But, but in most cases, fear leads us down the wrong path. It'll lead us down uh, a path that leads us away from God. But we learned last week also that there's another type of fear in the Bible, and it's called the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord. And that's a good fear. That's a good fear. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. But, uh, but where have you been this week on the spectrum of fear? Have you been over here on having the spirit of fear that, that God doesn't give us? Or have you been more on this side of fearing the Lord? So where have you been this week? I want you to think about that and kind of, you know, what are the things I'm fearing? What are the things that I'm not because I'm trusting the Lord and I fear the Lord? Think about those things this morning as we dig into to God's Word. But this morning I want to show you that, that it's possible to even be physically with Jesus and still have fear. The disciples in our story today, we're going to see that they were actually with Jesus and they still feared. So we can walk with Jesus and still fear, but we're going to see also that you can walk with Jesus without fear. Even if it's for short moments at a time. But we're going to learn today that it's possible to walk without fear. We can live out our week without fear. We can live fearless. Before we get into that today, let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much for allowing us to come together today and to just have your word and our language and be able to learn from it without fear. It's such a blessing, and it's, it's a privilege that we have and that we take for granted so often. But I pray today that you would open our hearts, that you would help us to just take in what you have for us today, that we'd be challenged, but we'd also be blessed by your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So chapter 14, let me give you a little context before we dive into our actual text for this morning. But in John chapter 14, we see that John the Baptist gets beheaded. And we see that after this, news gets to Jesus, like you didn't know already. But news gets to Jesus. Jesus goes out into the desert by himself to spend some time alone. And you know, Jesus got sad just like we do. He feels that pain when a friend dies, someone that he knows passes. He, he felt that, and he went out to be by himself a bit. But it didn't last long, because we see quickly that, that a bunch of people come to him, and he sees them, and it says that he has compassion on them, and he heals their sick. So he heals their sick, and then the multitudes continue to come, and he feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children, so with, with five loaves of bread and two fish. So it's been a busy day for Jesus. He's, he's done all kinds of incredible things. And he's with these folks. He's just fed them. 
and they're on the, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And I've got a picture here just to show you uh, kind of where they're at here. So you've got the Sea of Galilee, and see where it says feeding the 5,000. So they're kind of over here on this, this side. And as we're going to see, Jesus is going to tell his disciples to, uh, to go across the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to end up up there in Capernaum and Bethsaida. But, uh, but we'll see that in a second. But before we do that, let's, let's dig in to our actual text and read through that so we can see what's, uh, what's happening there. Matthew 14, verse 22, look with me. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain to him, by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And Jesus came towards them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And, be, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. So we're going to see, first off, that Jesus sees when we fear. Jesus sees when we fear. So according to the other Gospels, there's two other Gospels that record this, uh, this story. And according to those, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and go to Bethsaida and Capernaum. In that area. And Bill, I'm sorry I was out of order a little bit, but, but they're going to they're gonna boat over to kind of the northern side of the, the sea, which it looks like a long way, but in reality, you know, the Sea of Galilee is not huge. But they're going to go in a boat that probably looks similar to this, if you can show that. Um, obviously, we weren't there. We don't know what, if it was Peter's boat or whose boat it was, but... Um, it probably would have looked similar to this boat. This is kind of an old fishing boat from that time. Uh, you know, about 27, 28 feet long, 7 feet wide or so. So, you know, they could fit the disciples in there. And, and he said, get in the boat. I want you to go across and uh, to the other side. Fun fact about the Sea of Galilee, though, it's not really a sea because a sea has got salt water. But the Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. And it's the lowest in elevation on earth. So, not sure where the Sea of Galilee name came from, but it's actually a lake in our terms. But either way, they get in the boat, and they obey Jesus, and they start rowing. And Jesus goes off the other way to dismiss the crowds. And after he dismisses the crowds, he does something else, it says. It says that he goes up in the mountainside to pray. 
And you know, after a long day of doing miracles and amazing things and serving and loving and healing and all this stuff, Jesus needed to pull away. But what did he do? He prayed. He pulled away and he communed with his father. Prayed with God the Father and spent time with him. And it says that he did this, uh, you know, as it was getting dark in the evening. And it says that he did that all the way through until the early morning, which would have been around 3, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock or so. He would have been just praying. Now, I would have been scared to death, like sitting by myself in the dark on the mountainside in the middle of the night, you know. I would have been scared right there. But Jesus had just incredible time with his father. And it's a good lesson for us, right? That when things get busy, we're serving, we're doing lots of things for God, doing good things, that we need to pull away. We need to pull away and pray. And I get convicted every time I read this passage because I don't do that. It's not a consistent thing in my life where I get busy, I'm going, 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 working, doing different things, and then I pull away and and spend time with God. I got convicted by that, and and I'm assuming that there's maybe some of you here that that struggle with that too, just finding that time to peel off and be with the Lord. But it's important. Jesus gives us an incredible example here. But as he's sitting there on the mountainside, middle of the night, who's out in the water? His disciples. They're in the boat. But what did it say there about, about the wind? says that the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So Jesus is on the mountainside, and if you're actually there, from what I hear, he probably could have seen the boat out there on the Sea of Galilee. He's got his boys out there, and they're just rowing, rowing. And according to some of the other Gospels, they've only made it three to four miles of rowing. Some of them row, then they switch out. Some more rowing. The wind's against them. The waves are crashing. It's just a struggle. They're just struggling to get across. But Jesus is sitting up there praying on the mountainside. They probably got a light out there. You can see him going across, struggling. So I asked myself, why would Jesus just sit there while his boys are just struggling, struggling? trying to get across, trying to do what he said. They're being obedient. Jesus said, get in the boat and go to the other side, okay? They're doing it. They're working hard, but they're probably tired. They're probably grumpy. They're probably smelly at this point, and they've probably got some fear. Probably got some fear that I'm not going to make it to the other side. This wind is just too much. We've been doing this for hours and hours, and we're just not making much headway. So my question again was, why would Jesus just sit there? Why did he sit there and let him struggle? And then I thought, maybe they hadn't prayed for help yet. It doesn't tell us for sure. But I'm thinking, maybe they didn't cry out to Jesus yet for help. Maybe they didn't pray Say, Jesus, help us get across here. Can you help us with something? So maybe it took them that long 
to pray. Maybe they got to a point where they're like, I give up. I can't do this. And they prayed, and Jesus said, okay, it's time. It's time. But Jesus sent them out there for a reason. He didn't just send them out there to watch them struggle because he thought it was fun to watch them as a joke. No. Jesus sent them out there for a reason. We're going to see today he had a very specific reason for sending them out there. He wanted to teach them a lesson about fear. And we're going to see that. Look at verse 25 with me again. It says, Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. So remember, he goes to pray. They're out there rowing. But then, Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. I want you to do something with me. Okay, humor me. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to, you're going to be creative in your mind, okay? I need you to close your eyes and picture this right side that, that you're in a boat, okay? You're, you're this boat over here. Picture on, or people on the left side, you're in a boat also together. So I might need a couple people to pretend like they're rowing just to kind of get the feel of this. But close your eyes and picture yourself. Kyle, you're not rowing. Thank you. Okay. Picture yourself being on a dark lake. Maybe the moon's peeking out a little bit to give you a little bit of light, but it's dark. It's three in the morning. You're in this boat. The wind's blowing hard. The waves have white caps on top. The waves are huge. It's causing the boat to rock up and down from the wind and the waves. The men rowing are breathing hard as they row just for every foot of progress they can get. Are you in the boat right now? Can you picture it? <clears throat> are you scared? I'd be scared. Kyle, get rowing again. Come on. So you're out there. You're afraid. Then you look over, and off in the distance, you see a figure walking from white cap to white cap on the waves. He's moving so easily on the waves, but his robe and his hair are blowing in the wind. Is anyone more afraid? I would be. If you are, you're in good company because his disciples, it says, are terrified. All those around you are yelling, Look at that! It's a ghost! They're crying out in fear. They probably even fear tinkled a little bit in their robes, I would assume. They're scared. There's lots of fear. Then you hear a voice. You look over, you see that person on the waves, and you hear a voice. It says, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now this voice, you know this voice. It sounds like Jesus. But you're still a little skeptical. You're like, never seen Jesus walk on the waves before. But you're a little skeptical, but at least you quit screaming. Like a little teenage girl to sleep over. And then you ask, why didn't Jesus say, it is I, Jesus? 
Why did he say, just it is I? If you lived in that culture, you would know that when someone comes to your door, you say, who is it? And they say, it is I. And if you recognize their voice, you let them in. He says, it is I. And they recognize his voice. You can open your eyes now. Were you there? Did you feel that? Did you feel what they were feeling? But when the disciples heard that voice, they saw him walking on the water and they heard that voice, have courage. The disciples gained some courage. They gained that courage by hearing the word of God, by hearing the words of Jesus. Guys, when we have fear, when we get scared, hear the words of Jesus. Read the words of Jesus. Have the Holy Spirit bring them to memory in your mind, in your heart. And find courage. Have courage at the words of Jesus, the words of God. It'll help you overcome your fear. So Jesus comes to us when we fear. But also, Jesus can save us when we fear. He can save us when we fear. So we see in verse 28, Peter, as usual, Peter, he uh, opens his mouth first, as normal, when he's with the disciples. We see Peter, and he says, Lord, if it's you... Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Okay, so if you're in the boat, is that your first thing to say? You see a guy out there that could be Jesus, could be a ghost. Hey, if it's you, Jesus, you know, because all ghosts are honest, you know, they're not going to like lie and pretend to be someone else. If you, Jesus, have me come out on the water with you. Peter's crazy. But actually, Peter, his faith has been replaced, or his fear has been replaced with faith. He heard the voice of Jesus. He looks like Jesus. He knows it's Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's you, he calls him Lord. Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. But remember, it's, it's dark. It's windy. The waves are blowing everywhere. And he says, I want to go walk on the water with you. You know, like I'm picturing, okay, if it's a nice smooth lake, yeah, that'd be cool to walk out on there. But no, the waves are going, it's windy, they're all, you know, just messed up from everything. But he's compelled to walk on the water. He's compelled to walk on the water. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says one word. Jesus says, come. Just one word. He doesn't say, Peter, put on your life jacket. You know, get the ladder out so you can climb out so you don't fall in the water. You know, make sure you take your shoes off so you don't get them all wet, your sandals. No, he says, come. One word. Now, how often does Jesus have to give us more than one word before we obey? Man, that's what hit me in this section here. Like, when I'm fearing and I see Jesus, 
what does it take for me to take that step? Do I have to have a full game plan, all the details, backup plan, plan B? Does all that stuff need to be in order before I'm willing to take a step for Jesus? Many times I do. But sometimes we just need to obey. Jesus says, come, and we step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. That's all Peter needed. He just needed one word from Jesus to risk his life and step out of the boat. I mean, Peter's a good swimmer, but the waves are big. It's windy. It's crazy. That's all he needed, though, was one word. And parents, remember this. Anything but instant obedience is disobedience. It's a good thing to live by with your children. But Peter was instantly obedient. He was instantly obedient to Jesus. And Peter got to live out a miracle. A miracle. Do you know anyone that's walked on water? No, Peter got to walk on water, live out a miracle because he changed his fear into faith. His fear went away and it was replaced with faith because of the words of Jesus. So we got Peter, steps out of the boat, he's on the water, doing his thing, and then all of a sudden something catches his eye. Must have been a wave that came crashing by, but it says he saw the waves in the, the strength of the wind. Must have been a big gust of wind that came. And as he's walking, he feels that wind and sees these waves. And it says that he was afraid. Peter went from incredible faith, no fear, to afraid in like a split second. And what happens? He begins to sink. He's lost that faith. He took his eyes off Jesus. You know, anytime you and I begin to walk by faith and the fear is gone and we got our eyes on Jesus and we're just moving towards him. Anytime that happens in our life, what happens? The world, the flesh, the devil tries to get us not to look at Jesus anymore. Tries to distract us so that we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus. You see, the flesh, the world, and the devil, they want us to live with a spirit of fear. But Jesus wants us to live by faith. So Peter saw the strength of the wind, and he took his eyes off Jesus for a moment, and instantly he began to sink. But what did Jesus do? Actually, what did Peter do first? As he was sinking, he said, Lord, save me. As he's sinking, he cries out to Jesus. Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? Our loving Savior instantly grabs him. He grabs him to save him. And Peter, as he feels Jesus' hand grab his arm, that fear goes away. You know, because I don't think Peter, like, jumped up in Jesus' arms and he was all curled up. I feel like he 
touch, Jesus touched him, and he rose up again and was able to walk on the water. His fear went away again because he was right there with Jesus. But Jesus saved him. He saved him. That's the kind of God we serve, right? Amen? He's a God that saves. Jesus loves to save people. He loves to save people. And he saves Peter right here. But it's kind of cool. I was reading 2 Samuel 22. And David had this same outlook towards God. In 2 Samuel 22, verse 2, it says, He said, this is talking about David, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock where I seek refuge. My shield, the horn of my salvation. My stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. You save me from violence. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I was saved from my enemies. For the waves of death engulfed me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol or hell entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. And I called to the Lord in my distress. I called to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. And my cry for help reached his ears. God hears when we call out. God hears when we're afraid and we cry out to him to, to save us from whatever it is. He hears us. And I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? I'm thankful that God saved Peter there. And he's always there in our time of need. But the story is not over here. The lesson is not fully taught. You see, Jesus has laid out this whole scenario to teach a lesson, to teach his disciples something. Look at what Jesus asked Peter after he saves him. What does he say? He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? Like I said, Jesus used this whole scenario to teach a lesson. And what was that lesson? That when we take our eyes off Jesus, we lose our faith that he's in control, and then we fear. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we walk in faith and become fearless. Let me read that one more time. There's a lot there. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we lose our faith that he is in control, and we get fearful. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we walk in faith, and we can become fearless. Now Peter, he went from fearing that they wouldn't make it across the water to being fearful that there's a ghost coming, to fearlessly walking on the water, to fearing the wind and the waves, and then to fearlessly, fearlessly grabbing the hand of Jesus to walk on water again. Sounds exhausting, doesn't it? But aren't we like that? You know, we can be walking fearlessly, and then something or someone happens, 
and suddenly we become scaredy squirrel, okay? If you know that cartoon, scaredy squirrel, scared of everything. But we, we hop back and forth, right? We can be walking by faith, and then we can be scared as a squirrel, back and forth, back and forth. So we need to ask Jesus to help us keep our eyes on him. Not to get distracted. Not like a dog when he sees a squirrel, they're off. Not like a teenager when their phone buzzes, or their parents these days too, right? Not like me when my wife walks by, I get distracted. We can live fearlessly, but it's all about where our eyes are and who we place our faith in. So let's look at these last two verses, but the band can come on up while we're looking at them. Look at verse 32. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. The wind just stopped. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. So Jesus gets glory when we fear him. Jesus gets glory when we fear him. When they got back in the boat, the wind stopped. The trouble ceased. You know, the disciples, they just saw him feed 5,000 plus people, walk on the water, helped Peter walk on the water, and then he made the wind stop. What else can you do but worship Jesus? You know, if you're a disciple of Jesus today, God has done miracles in your life. Just the fact that God came in a human body to pay for your sins is a miracle beyond imagination. And the fact that he has allowed you to become a son or a daughter of God is an incredible miracle. So why don't you all stand with me? And we're going to worship Jesus as who he is, the Son of God. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Thank you that you're a God of miracles. Thank you that you're a God that loves to save and rescue people. And God, you know each and every one of our lives in here, the struggles we have, the fears we have, the things that have happened in our lives. And if we cry out to you, you hear us. If we cry out to you and ask you to save us, that you will do that. And we are so thankful for that. And you are worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be praised, worthy of everything that we have. I pray now as we sing these songs that it would be a sweet smelling offering to you. That you would get incredible glory from us right now. In Jesus' name we pray.